The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, otherwise known as DivBIC. I'm your host today, Donald Marion. I'm a neurosurgeon here at DivBIC. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Betsy Meyer, a nurse practitioner at DivBIC. Betsy and I will discuss a study entitled The Influence of Chronic Cigarette Smoking on Neurocognitive Recovery After Mild Traumatic Brain Injury, an article published by Durazo and colleagues in Journal of Neurotrauma, June of 2013. Hi, Betsy. How are you today? Great, Don. Thanks. How are you? Good. So, Betsy, what were the objectives of this study? This study was conducted to assess the influence of chronic cigarette smoking on changes of neurocognitive function at one and approximately seven months after a mild TBI or traumatic brain injury. I'm curious what made you select this study for Cubist? Currently, there's a lot of focus in the news about the hazards of cigarette smoking, tobacco use, post-concussion. And per the authors, a lot of mild traumatic brain injury studies remove participants with tobacco use, thereby resulting in selection bias that results in cohorts that don't represent a large proportion of people seeking medical treatment and certainly not representing our population in the military and veterans based on their self-reported tobacco use. We know from other studies that 41% of active-duty military personnel report using one form or another of tobacco, and 17% of service school cadets or midshipmen report tobacco use. Therefore, this is a very relevant topic for us at the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center. Additionally, there are a lot of guidelines that recommend avoidance of substance use during the acute concussion period, but not a lot of science to support those recommendations. Interesting. So so how was the study done, Betsy? This study was done by administering a comprehensive neurocognitive battery of tests to 25 people with an MTBI who did not smoke cigarettes, 19 people with an MTBI who did smoke, and a control group of 20 non-smokers who were only light alcohol drinkers and did not have a mild traumatic brain injury. The tests were administered at 38 days, plus or minus 22 days post-injury, and then again at 230 days, plus or minus 36 days. The participants completed approximately two hours of testing, which evaluated neurocognitive functions known to be adversely affected by mild TBI, smoking, or alcohol use. The test evaluated nine domains, auditory verbal learning, auditory verbal memory, executive skills, processing speed, visuospatial learning, visuospatial memory, visuospatial skills, working memory, and global neurocognition. So uh, just a couple of things I wanted to point out, Betsy. Uh, first of all, you'd mentioned earlier that talking about tobacco use, but really we're, we're talking about is smoking cigarettes, correct? We are just talking yeah. about smoking cigarettes. Right. So you're right. It's not just tobacco use like from vaping or from Chewing. Chewing, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're talking about cigarette smoking. The other thing I wanted to uh, emphasize is all of those tests, the specific tests that you just mentioned, are really all just tests of cognitive function, right? Right. They are all tests of cognitive function. Uh, All right. So, So what were the key findings of the study then? 
At the first test administration point, non-smoking MTBI and smoking MTBI patients perform worse than the controls on both auditory, verbal learning, and memory tests. Additionally, the smoking MTBI patients perform worse than the controls on working memory measures, and the non-smoking MTBI patients perform worse than controls on processing speed and global neurocognition. During the time from the first to the second test administration periods, the interval of approximately seven months, the non-smoking MTBI patients showed significant improvement in processing speed, visuospatial learning, visuospatial memory, visuospatial skills, and global neurocognition. Smoking appeared to impair recovery, and the MTBI patients who smoked only showed significant improvement in executive skills during this interval. At the second assessment point, the MTBI patients who smoked remained inferior to the controls on auditory verbal learning and auditory verbal memory, yet there were no significant differences between non-smoking MTBI and the controls or among the non-smoking MTBI subjects and the smoking MTBI subjects on any domain at the second testing assessment. So, so kind of the big picture is uh, smoking limited your cognitive recovery. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And then the longer you had smoked or the more amount of smoking that you did per year also limited your cognitive recovery. Okay. So don't smoke. Um, so what are the limitations of this study? So the limitations of this study were, first of all, the sample size was pretty small, a total of 44 patients um, plus the controls, and very homogenous, 70% Caucasian and male. The control subjects were an average of five years older than the MTBI patients, and the mechanism of injury for the MTBI patients was not typical. It was bicycle or skateboarding accidents in about 50%, which is sort of interesting. The participants received neurocognitive testing for the first time at 38 days, and like I said, plus or minus 22 days, and we know that the majority of people with an MTBI have improved symptoms by about 14 days post-concussion, so there may have been a significant amount of recovery across all the domains prior to the testing. The third limitation was there was no smoking control group. So there was no group that was a control group without an MTBI that smoked cigarettes. This is probably the most surprising limitation as it would have seemed very easy to me to find a control group who did smoke tobacco. Another limitation was the inclusion criteria used to diagnose MTBI. The standard Glasgow coma score of 13 to 15 and post-traumatic amnesia of less than 24 hours were used to diagnose MTBI. But a witness loss of consciousness of less than 30 minutes was also a criteria. We know from other studies that up to 50% of MTBI can occur with no loss of consciousness. So I wonder if including a witness LOC as a diagnostic criteria may have limited the size of the sample. In addition, it was possible that some of the patients had an intracranial hemorrhage or other brain injury on CT, and we were only told that they did not have a depressed skull fracture in the analysis that was done. Okay. Um, I would point out with sort of interest that the study took place in San Francisco and, and at San Francisco General Hospital, and that probably or might account for the bicycle skateboard uh, mechanism of injury. This probably wouldn't be seen in a, a more rural community or 
or some other uh, metropolitan areas, but very interesting. Um, so to summarize, what would you consider the key takeaways of this study, Betsy? For primary care providers seeing a patient with an MTBI, the first assess not only tobacco use, but also type of product, total number of cigarettes currently smoked per day, number of years of smoking, and pack years, calculated by number of cigarettes per day divided by 20 times the number of years smoking. A lot of primary care providers will ask somebody, do you smoke and you know, get the answer yes, but not sort of delve into how much do you smoke, how long have you smoked, and we know from this study that those can be significant findings. I think also providing education on risks of increased neurocognitive symptoms and decreased recovery in patients who smoke is important for primary care providers. Since the results of the study show that greater lifetime duration of smoking was related to less improvement on the domains of visuospatial learning, memory, and skills, in addition to working memory, early consultation to a holistic concussion care clinic with physical therapist, OT, cognitive rehabilitation providers may be warranted to improve both the level and speed of recovery for patients who smoke tobacco. And finally, although this study was focused on tobacco use through smoking, vaping is becoming much more widely used among young people and with a higher nicotine concentration than in cigarettes, assessing your post-concussion patients' vaping habits and providing similar patient education is warranted. I would love to see a future study conducted on neurocognitive recovery and vaping after mild traumatic brain injury. That's an interesting point, the vaping issue, and it, I, I guess it gets to the question of, is it the nicotine or is it uh, hypoxia from, from breathing in uh, the uh, cigarette smoke? Um, so if it's, certainly if it's the nicotine, your point is, is very important that, that because vaping contains much more nicotine than cigarettes. Thank you, Betsy, for your insights. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this quick literature update. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vincent White and is hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we will discuss TBI research getting attention in the mainstream press.